there. You're listening to the Cary Church Podcast. We at Cary seek to be flourishing communities of hope, transformed by God's love, following Jesus and serving in God's world. To find out more on how to connect with us, go to cary.asn.au. Genesis 4, 23-24. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to me. Wives of Lamech, hear my words. I've killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. And then from Matthew 18, 21 to 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I give my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to, to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat you, each of you, unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Well, hello, and if you don't know me, I'm Brian Harris, service pastor at large here. My privilege to look at this parable uh, today. Now, if you've got a good memory, uh, you might remember that two weeks ago I was speaking from Matthew chapter 13, 44 to 46. And there Jesus gives two other parables of the kingdom of heaven. And he says that the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. Or it's like a pearl of great price. And, he, and the parables are a little bit different in that the, 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 the treasure that's hidden in a field, the man kind of just accidentally stumbles upon. Whereas the pearl of great price, uh, the man goes and searches for at great length. And I, and I raise the question, you, you know, it seems a little bit unfair, that parable, doesn't it? And I, and I ask, isn't it unfair that sometimes people find God kind of without even looking, at so, so, so it seems, and everything just goes so easily for them, whereas for other people it's this long, hard, very difficult search. Now, I have a question to ask you about this parable today, uh, this parable here in, in Matthew 18, 21 to 35. Is it actually a necessary parable? I mean, it seems almost redundant. Uh, I mean, think about it. Uh, think about what's been said. It seems so obvious, and surely, surely, this couldn't really be true. 
because the parable is told in a very Jewish kind of a way. That's not surprising. Let, 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 let's remember Jesus was Jewish, and he certainly gets into his Jewishness in terms of the ways he tells stories. What, what, do, I say, what do I mean by that? So, so if you're Jewish, you like tell big stories. You, you, you don't understate things. You overstate them. You, you, you make absolutely sure that everyone knows the point. They're, they're out loud stories. And so this is the out loud story. We're told that there's a man, and, and he owes his master 10,000 bags of gold. 10,000 bags of gold. So, so, so let's just be clear about what this debt is. If you were living in Jesus' day, it, if you were an ordinary person, it would take you 20 years to earn a bag of gold, if just, just, just at the ordinary rate. So 20 ordinary years of working gets you a bag of gold, and you owe 10,000 bags of gold, so this is 200,000 years of work. Um, I mean, do, do, do you see how big this debt actually is? So 1,000 lifetimes, and you still wouldn't have paid it back. I mean, you, you could say, okay, you can deduct $100 off my wages every time I get paid. It wouldn't even have touched it. The, 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 this debt is absolutely enormous, Jesus says. So 200,000 years worth, worth of salary uh, is the amount of debt he is, and he asks his master, you know, please forgive me. Please forgive me. Give, give, give me a bit of time, and I'll pay it. A bit of time. <laughs> like, who's kidding who? It would take more than just a bit of time to pay that one back. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, here's the thing. The master says, fine, you're, you're, you're forgiven. It's okay. I'll, I'll let you off. I'm not going to hold you accountable for it. This is a seriously generous master, a seriously generous master. And uh, then the servant goes out, and uh, there's a man, and uh, he owes him 100 silver coins. And uh, the servant who's been forgiven, this 200,000 years worth of work, uh, bumps into somebody who owes him 100 silver coins. Now, now, now let's be clear about it. 100 silver coins was not nothing. So you got a silver coin for a day's work. So if it's 100 silver coins, that's 100 days of work. Now, now, now that's not nothing, is it? I mean, it's a, it's a reasonable sum of money. I mean, if you were to put it into Australian terms, I mean, that was the work for labor, so it was a fairly modest rate. But, I mean, if you're going to say that this, this, this other servant owed about $20,000, you, you, you're going to be in the right ballpark. So, so this man owes him $20,000. That, that, that's a reasonable amount of money. But you would imagine that if you've just been forgiven 200,000 years worth of salary and someone owes you 100 days worth of salary, that, I mean, you'd just say, forget it, mate, it's okay. I mean, this has just been my extraordinary, lucky, fortunate, glorious, I'm ever so grateful day. It's okay. But, says Jesus, that's not what happens. He grabs the man around the throat. He starts to sh shake him. He throws him into prison. And he says, you're not going anywhere until your family is organized that my 100 days of pay get, 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 get sorted out. And Jesus says, you, you know, this is just astonishing. How could anyone react like that? And if we react to God's love like that, he says, then God will take away his forgiveness from us. And, and so the question is, I mean, is this actually a necessary parable? I mean, is it necessary? Would, would, would people really react like that? Would we really be so awful to people when we've been shown so much kindness ourselves? And as you go on through, I think that we've got to read this parable and ask ourselves, or read it, always saying to ourselves, I am the person who has been forgiven much. Because when we recognize that in, that, 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 that in the story that Jesus tells, the, 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 the master or the king that's referred to is God, and that the first servant is meant to be us. And so we are people who should view our lives as having been greatly forgiven by God. 
as having been accepted by God. I mean, I mean so what's the point of 200,000 years worth of work that you owe? Well, the point's actually quite simple. There is no way that you can ever repay it. The only reason that, that you're able to have this relationship with the master is because the master is kind, because the master is generous. So, 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 so Jesus is really reminding us, there is nothing that you could do. There is nothing that I could do to ever win the favor of God. This is all because of the grace of God. The only reason that we can have a relationship with God is not because somehow we're extraordinarily good and we, we, we earned up 200,000 years worth of salary. I mean, that's just impossible. That's not going to happen. So the reason we have a relationship with God is because of God's kindness and his goodness to us. But Jesus is wanting to raise this question. And we need to figure it out for ourselves, whether it's a question we need to think about or whether, uh, whether it is redundant. Jesus would love it to be redundant. Jesus would love it to be unnecessary. But, but the question is this. Uh, is grace working its way out in our lives? Uh, is the fact that we have received God's grace making us live differently and react to other people differently? Because Jesus says if it doesn't have that, 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 that impact, there's something badly wrong. And we're like this servant who's been forgiven so much and yet won't forgive even a trivial amount. And we cannot expect to continue on in the grace and the forgiveness of God unless we show it to others. Now, now let's give just a little bit of context. So, so here, here we are, we, Matthew chapter 18. If you've got a Bible with you, if you've got a phone with you, whatever it is, wherever you read the Bible, uh, if you just go through the sequence of what Jesus has been, been dealing with, he has actually just uh, immediately above in, in Matthew chapter 18 from verse 15, he's been answering this question. So, so in the life of the church, what if a brother or sister sins against someone? How, how are you going to work with something that goes wrong in the life of the church? So when someone sins, how do you deal with it and, and what should you do? And in Matthew 18, Jesus outlines a process, a process where you go directly to the person and you speak it through. And if that doesn't work, then you bring some other people along and you get But But it's a process where you really try to work out differences. You, 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 you don't think it's okay that there's a difference. You try to work it through so that you can live in the light with one another. It's a great process. And it leads fairly naturally on to, to Peter then saying, okay, so this is about finding a way to forgive each other. That, 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 that's a good thing, clearly. Uh, but Peter is, is a fairly pragmatic man. And so he says, okay, so, so in this forgiveness thing, how often should we be willing to forgive? And, and, and Peter gives what he thinks is an extraordinarily generous uh, 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 kind of pointer. And so if you look at verse 21, Matthew 18, 21, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive someone who sins against me? Up to seven times? I mean, that's a lot. I mean, you know, I know you, Jesus, and I know you're extraordinarily kind, and I know that you're a bit of a soft touch. So, so, so you know, I'll push the limits here. Should we actually forgive someone seven times? And, and, and let's just think about Peter's answer, because it is actually quite a generous answer. I mean, imagine someone who stabs you in the back, and uh, I mean, I don't know what stab, being stabbed in the back might mean in your particular circumstances, but somebody does something that's, that's really horrible to you, and so they do this really horrible thing to you, and you object, and you say, you know, I really didn't like that, and they say, oh, I'm so sorry, I, wasn't, I, I don't know why I did that, I, I really wasn't thinking about what I was doing, and you say, never mind, mate, it's, it's okay, I, I, I forgive you, it's okay, we, we just carry on, but blow me down, uh, you know, the next day, they do exactly the same thing. And you say, oh, beg your pardon. Uh, you, you know, look what you, oh, I'm so sorry. You, you know, don't know what I was thinking. I, I just did, 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 did that again. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll forgive you. I mean, it's starting to stretch a little bit at that point, isn't it? And then day three, I, I mean, like, I mean, I just think in terms of our household. Uh, you know, and I'm a very easy person to live with, uh, and my wife is not. Um, and, 
There she is. She had to forgive me for that. You've got to forgive 70 times 7. Um, so, so, so Rosemary would say that I'm a slightly messy person. Now, that's not true. I'm a normal person. Jesus is an exceptionally tidy person. But, uh, but, but like, she's very forgiving sometimes. When if I work in the kitchen and I do something amazing, which is never, but anyway, I, I kind of try and make something that, 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 that's nice. And I leave a little bit of a mess. I mean, she'll, she'll be very forgiving, but, but I always know I need to space, out, space that out quite carefully. So if I did that today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day, I mean, seven would be up in just no time at all. I, I mean, there's no way. Day three, I would be in the dog box, like in a major, major, major way. Um, but if I'm clever, like, and I do it messy one week, you know, don't do anything kitchen for two weeks, messy again, two weeks' time, she's forgotten. So, so, so then that's fine. You... <laughs> You, you, I mean, you, you can get away with seven if you space it kind of uh, appropriately. How many times can you be forgiven? Uh, and and so, 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 so Peter's kind of thinking, okay, you know, be, be quite generous about this. You, you know, we should forgive people seven times. That, that we won't end up in problems there. And Jesus then gives his surprising answer because if a brother or sister, uh, sorry, uh, then Peter came to Jesus, verse 8 of 21, and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive someone who sins against me? Up to seven times, Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but, and it depends on your translation here, 77 times or 70 times seven. I know those are different numbers, but it's actually very difficult to translate to know exactly which one's actually been said here. But either way, it's a lot of times. And what Jesus, Jesus is essentially saying is, just forget about the number of times. Don't count it out. Just have, have forgiveness as your disposition. Just do this absolutely automatically. And, and in doing this, Jesus almost certainly is thinking through another account. Uh, the account you find right towards the start of the Bible in Genesis chapter 4. So in Genesis chapter 4, uh, we're told this, uh, and it's one of the early accounts. Uh, Genesis chapter 4, verse 20, uh, 23. Uh, Lamech comes and he says this, Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to me. Wives of Lamech, hear my words. I've killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times, or 70 times, seven times. Now, now that was kind of an Old Testament introduction to, to what do you do when something goes wrong? And the answer is what you do is you become a vengeful person and you, and you try and pay people back. And how many times do you pay them back? Well, well the first example we're given, this is this Islamic, and we're told if someone does something terrible to you, just let them know that that is not okay. And let them know by, by paying them back, not seven times, but 70 times seven or 77 times. As I say, it's actually very, very difficult to tra translate that particular number. But that's what you do. Vengeance is something that you escalate. Now, now Jesus very intentionally has in mind this, the, the, this Old Testament para paradigm. So, so your natural thing is that you escalate things hugely. Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. When you realize how much God loves you and you realize how much God has forgiven you, you go in exactly the opposite direction and you do the exact opposite of everything that comes naturally and you forgive. And you forgive because God has forgiven you. And you forgive because you're living from gratitude. And, and you're moving away from this life of entitlement, which we so, so, so naturally default back to. And we move to life that is lived from gratitude. And so what is this, this particular parable saying to us, this, this very necessary parable? It, it's actually reminding us that we're called to live from grace, 
that, that, that when we receive grace in our life, it's supposed to make a difference. It's, it makes a difference to the way in which we live. It makes a difference to the way in which we treat other people. It changes our instinctive responses. Now, now is it a necessary parable? Well, I mean, I think sometimes we are aware of God's love in our life, but we get caught up of, with all kinds of other things. And because we get caught up with so many other things, we forget. We forget how much we've been forgiven. We forget how much God actually loves us. We get distracted in a thousand different ways. I mean, you'll you know that our service principal Vos Seminary, and incidentally, if you're thinking of studying with us, we have an open morning, Wednesday, 10 o'clock at Vos. If you want a morning 10, want to discover more about studying with us, do come along, but let me not sidetrack. Um, in one of our lecturers was saying, saying recently, a number of our students are relatively young, and so they're into technology in a major way. And he stopped to lecture once, and he, he said, said to the class, so, so here I am talking, and I mean, you all enjoying this lecture, and now I can see it in your eyes that you're just wrapped and enthused and everything else, but, but how many of you are, are watching technology at the same time, kind of checking Facebook or Instagram or kind of doing something else at the same time as this lecture is going on? And he said, and remember, this is a Christian seminary, so you have to be honest, and you have to give the honest reply here. And, and every single member of the class raised their hand. And he said, okay, so that's really interesting. But then before he could pontificate, one of the students said, yes, but who are you to say? We saw that when you broke us into groups, you took out your phone, and you checked all your messages as well. So you're also using technology in the class, aren't you? And so he thought, good point. This is a bright class and uh, tough to deal with. But the class said, but it's not an issue because actually we always, I mean, so, so a class member said, but, but I mean, what's the deal? They, they, they said, I always check technology. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. If I'm watching TV, if I'm listening to something, even when I'm driving, I kind of check technology in some way. Or they kind of have these little alerts that remind me through, 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 through the car radio system and so on. You, you know, we just live our lives in multiple ways, don't, 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 don't we? And it's possible that even while I'm speaking, some of you have checked your phone. I don't know, but I won't ask you uh, at this particular point. But, but when we live in a world that is really quite distracted, a world that pulls us in multiple directions, a world where we, who sent me a message? Has another email come in? Uh, you know, is there a new Facebook post? Who's, who's liked my latest Facebook post? Did they like it or did they love it? Uh, and and you, know, you, 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 you kind of get all these little things that are going on swirling around in your head just the whole time. It is very, 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 very easy to become so distracted that we actually lose sight of what really matters and what doesn't. And getting a Facebook like can seem every bit as important as a really deep, genuine conversation. And the lines between them can get so blurred that we can have been forgiven 200,000 years worth of debt. And somehow it seems like nothing because we get so used to it and we almost feel entitled to it. I, I think that Jesus first calls a call to just, just remember, breathe deeply, remember what you have. And it can be helpful, and this is a little exercise that I know some of you might already be doing, to, to just, just buy a little pack of blank cards. And, and on those cards, like make them your gratitude cards. Write, write down all the things that you're actually grateful for. And, and make a point of, of, of you know, just, just brainstorm. You know, all the things. And, and, and sometimes it's when you think about what would happen if something were taken away. And, and when you realize how much God has given you, then you start to live from gratitude. Let, let, let me give you uh, an example even from, from this last week. So, 
Summer's coming and you can feel it today, can't you? Uh, so in the Harris household, I was busy checking our retech system uh, because we need to switch it back on. So switch it back on for a little test run. And as sometimes happens when you do that, uh, one of the little station things is gone. And so kind of, there's just water gushing out everywhere. And so I think, oh, I better switch this off because uh, there's water just all over the place. So. Uh, I'm kind of running back into the house, and, and when I'm running in, because I'm kind of feeling a bit flustered because this water's going everywhere, I'm not really watching what I'm doing, and as I pass our security door, I bash my knee straight into kind of just the edge of the door, and it was seriously sore, seriously, seriously sore. I'm still rubbing my knee, kind of just thinking about it. it makes me feel, feel painful over again. And as I did, and as I kind of put my foot down, it kind of like just felt like, oh, this is not right. This is seriously not right. And I managed to carry on a few steps to actually switch the, the retic system off, and then kind of looked at my knee and I thought, oh, this is bad news. And uh, some of you know that a couple of years ago, I, I twisted my ankle really badly and I was out of, I kind of hobbled along for the next three, three months after that. And I just thought the same thing. I thought, this is terrible. You know, the next three months or three years or whatever, I'm not going to have a knee that functions properly. And just had this sinking sense of what have I done just because I was in too much of a hurry. No. You can see that I'm walking around okay today, so, so there's, this is a good news story. My knee is actually okay. But, but in those few moments, I just thought, if this is actually gone, oh my goodness, it's awful not to be able to move around. I just don't. And you realize that there's something, or I realize, you know, there's something I just take for granted, absolutely take for granted, and yet in a moment when you think that's gone, you realize, actually, I am grateful for that. I am very thankful that I have that, and life would be infinitely worse if I didn't have it. And, and so to actually do that in life, and to say, say, you know, how could I possibly not live out of gratitude? Well, sometimes because I don't realize all the things that I've got. And, and so, so could I suggest just as a very practical exercise from this, you may say, you know, there's no way that I've been given $200,000 worth of, of being let off the hook or anything. Just, just know all the things that God has given to you. Just write them down. Just, just do a pack. You, you, you will find that in no time you've got a pack of 50, uh, more than that. And just each day, just flip through another one and just think about it in the course of the day. And just, just say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you've given me that. However, we, we wouldn't really be true to Scripture if we didn't remember that while it's lovely to say thank you, and, and while we should say thank you to things like, like knees that work and being able to move around and things like that, there are some things that the Bible tells us can never be taken away from us. And actually, at a much deeper level, these are the things that we should be grateful for. Be be because the moment you start noticing those things that, 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 that you're grateful because you have them, there is the realization they, they could go. I mean, be very glad that you got them now, but they could actually go. But, but, but the much, much deeper source of joy is this, that there are some things that if we're Jesus followers, we're told... These things can never, ever be taken away. L listen to the words of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Paul asks this question. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, did you hear that list? Paul is saying, okay, so there's some things that you can be grateful that you've got, but they could actually go. But at a much deeper level, be grateful because you know what? There's some things that never go. 
there are some things that never go. Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our, our Lord. That, that, that's, it's not death, it's not life, it's neither angels, it's not demons, it's not the present, it's not the future, it's not any power, it's not heart, it's not death, it's not anything can actually separate us from the love that we find in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, that's the deepest source for our gratitude. That's when we realize actually it's not about money and it's not about how much we owe. It's about the fact that we've been invited into eternity and that we are creatures of eternity and that we have a relationship with God in the deepest part of our being. This is who we are. And when we know that we are God people, that truly changes everything. So how then can we make this parable unnecessary for us? Firstly, just spot God's grace in your life. Spot that you are actually that, 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 that first servant. Spot that, that this is the, the person who is you. Secondly, though, let's remember that uh, there is probably a shadow side behind this. If you were to say, how could it be that this servant goes and won't forgive man, the, the, this man, the hundred silver coins that, 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 that he owes? Well, I guess that there's a shadow side in, inside of each of us that, that we really hate the thought that we could be ripped off. I mean, if, if you ever suspect that someone is ripping you off, how, how do you respond? Don't you sometimes maybe just overreact a little bit? You, you, you know, you're taking the mickey out of me. You're laughing at me. You're, you're pretending that you're so sorry, but actually you're going to just carry on doing exactly the same thing. I, I mean, if you think that you're being ripped off, sometimes we over, overreact. And we do that sometimes because we're a little bit insecure. And if we aren't really confident of who we are and who God has made us to be, sometimes we can overreact. And, and, and so I, I want to say in those moments when, when someone maybe has done something to you and, and, and you're getting really worked up about it and, and, and you really are intense about it, why not just breathe deeply and say, am I remembering who I am? Don't, don't, don't let my insecurities drive my response. Let me react out of the deep love that God actually has for me. The, 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 the last thing to remember if we must spot our shadow side and the fear of being ripped off, let, let's remember that we should be grateful people because actually we're not self-made people. We really aren't self-made people. Uh, and so we have nothing to be arrogant about. A couple of weeks ago, I was speaking at a camp and, uh, in Esperance and I was chatting to a parent there uh, when, and, and she was talking about her son and saying that, you know, as a mum, she was, had to take him to swimming lessons every day and he's doing quite well. But she said, oh my goodness, to be the parent of a swimmer is a very big sacrifice. And she was saying how they get up, I don't know, four o'clock or whatever it is in the morning so they can be at the pool by five o'clock. So that, I mean, it's just like this extraordinary early start. And she has to make these meals from because he's, he's desperate to get to the Olympics one day and he's desperate to win his Olympic gold medal. And he's a very promising young swimmer. But she made this comment and I thought that it was very perceptive. She said, you know, if one day he does actually win an Olympic gold medal, I am running up there and I'm going to get, stand on the podium before he gets there because really it's as much to do with me as it has to do with him. And, and, and if you've been a parent of a swimmer or actually if you're just a parent, period, you know that that's true actually. You, you know, none of us are actually self-made people. It's because of, of the effort of other people and what other people have put into you. Now, now, now when I realize that, then I become a little less kind of precious about what I've got and what I've done and what other people might do to me because I realize that actually I can live from gratitude. The psalmist, I think, gets it 100% right when in Psalm 54 verse 4 he says, Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. Surely God is my help. 
the Lord is the one who sustains me. Now, now if you're a Jesus follower, the truth is you're never alone. And we don't operate in our own strength. Yes, we should be proud in the things that we manage to, to accomplish. Yes, we should feel a deep sense of satisfaction in those. But we should never forget, surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. And, and, and when I realize that actually God is my help and the Lord is the one who sustains me, then I look at the things that go wrong in life and things go wrong for everyone. And I ask the question, so how often should I forgive someone else? And the question isn't not how often should I forgive someone else. The question is, am I remembering that I am forgiven? Am I remembering that I am loved? Am I remembering that God has accepted me? Am I living my life from gratitude? Do I know that actually deeply God has given me some things that can never be taken away? And when I let that sink deeply, deeply, deeply inside of me, then of course I live differently. And of course I react differently. I react as someone who is indeed a child of God. And when you live as a child of God, you live in a radically different way. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for the love that you've shown to us. We can never calculate its worth, 200,000 years worth of salary or whatever. We, we just can't imagine it. To be in relationship with you transforms everything. Thank you that there are so many things that can never be taken away. Help us to live as your children. Help us to live from gratitude. Help us to live from grace. In your name. Amen.